things change, don't they? Hey, by the way, it is so good to see you. So good to see you. Things change, don't they? We planned baptism for this day, and then the weather forecast was rain, 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 more rain. And, and so just in time to cancel and save thousands of dollars in food and, and rentals, we canceled. Rain forecast still going on, and then finally it dissipates, and the sun comes out today. But, but God's not surprised by that, is he? I think maybe... The way things are going, maybe between now and May 23rd, there may be some more folks baptized then. Because the way things are going, every single week, someone is beginning to follow Jesus every single week. And so maybe that's why it's postponed till May 23rd. And then I think, too, the postponement gave me a space to, to teach uh, into this Romans series in a way that I never would have. Tim taught last week out of Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. It's a profound message. If you missed it, I encourage you, in fact, I urge you to go back and listen to it. But, but what he taught, I want to build off of because it's so very important. I want to touch upon it. And I'm going to take Hebrews 12, 1 and build upon what he taught. And so let me go back to Romans 12, verses 1 and 2 and read what he taught from. And then I'll build on that. So dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you, give your bodies to God because of all he's done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Radical language. Give your bodies to God. Let them be living and holy sacrifices. Don't copy the behaviors and customs of this world. Let God transform you into a brand new person. So I want to take Hebrews 12.1 and, and build what it says into this bigger picture of transformation. Hebrews 12.1 says, Therefore, since we're surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up, and let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. Let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. What I want to teach today, I realize it is very specifically for Christ followers. But I also realize if you're not a Christ follower yet, this is a good message to listen in on because this will give you a window on what that life would be like. This would give you a picture of what that life might be like. In February of 1519, Hernando Cortez set sail from Spain for the eastern shores of Mexico. He had 11 ships with him and 400 soldiers with him. He had visions of power and fame and wealth. He, he was headed off with uh, spirits high, heart soaring, with this vision of gold and silver, which the rumors said Mexico had. They would make the, the trek across the Atlantic. They would land on the eastern shores of Mexico and they would find the Aztecs indeed had found massive quantities of gold and silver. They had mined unprecedented amounts. This was their dream. But the gold and silver wasn't there for the taking. The conditions were harsh and primitive. There were some diseases unknown to them, some of them deadly. Aztec warriors were fierce and they outnumbered Cortez and his men, a thousand to one. So they began this, this pursuit of the wealth and the, and the power there. And as day turned into week and week turned into month, and it was simply hardship and struggle, his soldiers began to look back at the harbor, the 11 ships sitting there. And they began to think how simple it would be to go back to the ships, get in the ships, and sail back to the life they had once known. 
Cortez stopped them and said, this, this mission is far too important. We, we simply cannot abandon it. We will accomplish the mission or we will die trying to. And then he, he issued this command of three simple words that would change the course of human history. He said, burn the ships. He marched his men down to the harbor. They destroyed every single ship there. Against all odds, in two years, Cortez and his men conquered the Aztec nation and all of its power and wealth and claimed it all for Spain. There's this parallel for those of us that follow Jesus. We start off on this adventure of a lifetime when we begin to follow him, and we should. Heart soaring, expectations high. We've, we've found this freedom of forgiveness in Jesus. We've found this relationship with him. We've found a new community, a new family to live this with. There's joy, there's peace, there's all of that. But then we follow long enough, a week or two, a month or two, a year or two, we find it's not just all joy and peace. There's some hardship, there's some heartache, there's some struggles. And some of the heartache and some of the struggles come just because we're following Jesus. It doesn't take long before there's a whisper in our ear from the enemy that says, do you realize how short the trip would be back to where you once came? There's just a ship sitting in the harbor. You can catch that ship. You can go right back to the life you once knew. And when you and I hear that whisper, actually God is saying to you, this mission is far too important to abandon. There's way too much at stake. You cannot, you cannot sell back from, from which you came. You simply cannot do that. This is way too important. The stakes are way too high. You, you have to burn the ships in your harbor that would take you back to where you came from. So I want to give you four examples of ships in a harbor. And perhaps one of these will, will strike you right where you're at. Perhaps not. I'll broaden it at the end of the message. But I'll give you four examples and, and see if any of these fit where you're living right now. One would be that you're a follower of Jesus, but the people that you spend time with don't know that yet. So you're a stealth Christian, like a, a stealth bomber can fly into an area, do what it wants to, fly back out, no one ever knows it was there. You're a stealth Christian. And so maybe it's their friends at school, maybe it's the people at work, maybe it's neighbors, maybe it's even family. And you know you're following Jesus, but other people don't. And if you're like me, you kind of like to fit in. And so when you're with that group at school or work or family or whatever the setting is, maybe there's this gossip that begins and maybe that was okay for you before, but it's not anymore. You know it's not what Christ would have you do, but there are these people that if you don't join in, you're going to stand out. They don't know you're someone different already. <laughs> they don't know that. Or maybe it's the off-color joke that was pretty funny before Jesus, but not so funny anymore. Maybe your boss tells it this time. Everyone's laughing, but if you don't laugh, you're going to stand out. They don't know you're already so different. They don't know you already follow Jesus. And, and so, so here's the ship to burn. Anybody relating with me? I, I, I like to be liked. I like to fit in. Anybody relating? Here's the ship to burn. Tell people you follow Jesus. Simply tell, I'll give you an example of that. I was at, in my oil career, there was a job in my company that I very much wanted. I asked for an interview, got an interview for it, and during the interview, this man was uh, asking about my time in West Texas. And so I described the oil work that we did there, and then I, I said, uh, of all the things that I did there, the, by far the best was I began to follow Jesus. I, I began to realize he actually is the risen son of God. And, and so I began to follow him and that has changed everything about me. And, and now I, I do work differently. 
um, there's a different work ethic. There are different work morals. I see people differently. I treat people differently. I have some priorities in my life. And, and above all is Christ. And then second is my family. But I work really, really hard. And then I said something to the effect, I think these are good things. But if you don't think so, this is who I am. You don't want to hire me. You simply don't want to hire me. I didn't want to go into that and, and blindside him. I didn't want to go into that with this pressure to simply fit in. I got the job. I, I became known as the Christian, which is kind of like a minority group. It's kind of like back then in those days, the Equal Employment Opportunity Commission, they would do these, they would check companies and you say, okay, I got a black person, a brown person, Asian American, Native American. There's a Christian. We got one of those too. He's over there in the corner over there in that corner office over there. And so, uh, so I became known as a Christian, and um, usually I just got some uh, well-intended humor about it. I was in a meeting. Um, I had brought this proposal to buy a company. It turned out that they were owned mostly by Jewish people. And so uh, the leadership team agreed to attempt to buy them. And I would be the one who'd do the negotiating. So the president looks at me and says, you know, those Jews, are, they're tough negotiators. I said, yeah, I I know they are. He said, can you handle it? I said, yeah. He said, you know what they did to Jesus? (laughs) It shocked me, but I had the best comeback. That was Friday. Do you know what happened on Sunday? But here's what stinks. I didn't think of it until the next day. I'm just standing there shocked, and I, yep, I, I know what happened, but let me negotiate and everything. But, but there was this, I, I was far enough along following Jesus, I knew I, I just needed to be open and honest. Yeah, I, Jesus has my allegiance, and if you're okay with that, then hire me, and I will live out of that. And because you already know that, I won't be tempted to try to fit in, because you already know I'm, you consider weird and different, but that's okay. Does that fit you? Are, are you in any settings where you're tempted to just fit in? And if so, to the match you strike, the ship you burn, is to tell them, I follow Jesus, and that changes everything about me. I'll give you another example. To God, what matters most is relationships above all else. More than stuff, more than gold, more than money, more than kingdoms, it's all about relationships. And some of you in the audience, your consumption of alcohol is hindering a relationship. And as I say that, you know it. And and again, what matters most to God, if you follow Christ, what matters most is relationships, and you understand that your consumption is hindering a relationship. And so maybe what you've tried so far is you've just tried to limit that or curtail that, and, but you come home from a busy, hard, tough day, maybe at work, and, and the ship is just right there in the cabinet in the form of a bottle or a can in the refrigerator, and, and it's just too easy to get. It's just too easy to reach for. It's the ship you need to burn. I was looking back through some old journals, actually well back in old journals, There was one given year where I had five friends, they weren't even interconnected, five friends who decided they would completely do away with alcohol. And all five of them took all the alcohol in their their homes and threw it away. One of them, that's all he had to do. It, It was as simple as that for me, threw it all away and it no longer hindered this huge relationship in his life. 
The other four threw it all away, but they realized, I need some help. And the other four sought recovery groups. And with recovery groups, they, they found the way to live this out. And, and yes, they missed alcohol, but what mattered most to God was a relationship that was being hindered by that. Maybe that's you, and, and this is your ship to burn. Maybe it's not alcohol. Maybe it's, maybe it's drugs. I got a couple of great friends here at the harbor for whom it was drugs. And uh, through seeking out help, uh, both of these friends have abandoned drugs. It's no longer an issue to the relationships in their life. I have one good friend that was gambling. I mean, it was, it was wrecking relationship with his, with his house. And, uh, and with help, he's abandoned gambling. I've, now I know more men than I can count, and women also, for whom it once was pornography. He was just doing some insidious damage to relationship that matters. And they've found a way, by the way, the recovery group here at the harbor for that is, it's gotta be one of the best in the country. I don't say that lightly, it's gotta be one of the best in the country. And, and I, I've lost track of the number of men and now some women too have found freedom from that. And as they follow Jesus, they, they get it that relationships matter most. It's not about them. It's not about what they would enjoy most. It's not about what gives them the most pleasure. It's about relationship, they get it. And they've allowed God to point out to them where a hindrance is. And they've leaned into that and they've burned that ship. Is that you? Is there something you can think of in a relationship that really matters that's hindering that? It's a ship that needs to be burned. Strike the match, burn that ship. Among human relationships, the most important is if you're married, it's between husband and wife. And all of us understand that infidelity wrecks marriages. We understand that. But maybe we don't all understand that, that almost all affairs begin with an emotional connect. Almost all affairs begin with this emotional connect. It began with some conversations that went on too long. It began with some conversations where some um, personal details were shared or some heartbreak was shared or some laughter was shared and some emotions were bound and somewhere down the road, something never planned happened. There's this affair that begins. There's this infidelity and it wrecks marriages. I didn't know that when Marie and I first got married. But somewhere in that first decade, I began to see that and realize that. And because that relationship matters most to God and to me, I decided then I would never be alone with another woman in any setting. Not only that, I wouldn't have long phone conversations with any woman. Internet didn't exist then, so it wasn't an issue, but it would be an issue now. I just decided I'm going I'm to put this boundary up. And to this day, I've met with... Uh, with women in my office, but the blinds are open and someone is always in the office just outside that door there. I was, um, several years back, I was in a local restaurant in the Bay Area and I happened to see a, a great religious leader, very influential, very gifted religious leader with, eating with a woman. I thought it was probably his wife and I went over and uh, he introduced someone else and I thought maybe they're gonna meet some people but it was stuck in my mind, and horribly, I found out one year later his marriage was lost because it became an affair to this woman. Apparently, it wasn't at that time, but he didn't have the boundaries up. And this is what I would say to you if you're married, or if you're not, and one day marry, please, please make note of this. 
I would suggest just put boundaries up. Never, never have any space in person, on phone, on social media, any space that goes on very long, that gives any space for an emotional connect to begin. It's just too dangerous. And you know what people have told me? I, I have been laughed at before. And they said, you just want to limit my relationships. I mean, you, you're cutting out my relationships. And I've said to them, you know what? I really am, and I know exactly how much I'm cutting them down by. There are 7.8 billion people in this world. There are 3.9 billion of your sex. I'm saying only be friends with the 3.8 billion. 3.9 billion, is that okay? I, I get that, I know that, but, but this is a place, if you're married, I would suggest you simply you strike the match, you burn that ship. Burn that ship. One more example, and maybe this would fit some of you as it once did me the most important the most important relationship of all is that with God isn't it when I began to trust Jesus I understood that the relationship was fueled by uh, prayer conversation with him and it was fueled by studying scripture and letting him speak to me through scripture and so with the best intents I would plan to spend 10-15 minutes in the morning it's a busy season of life a young family growing a busy career um, a lot of activity going in. I would wake up with the best intents and I would have my breakfast. I would have my Bible sitting there and then I would go out. I, I love the newspaper. Some of you don't know what that is, so I brought an example of it to show you. This is what it was, once was. They still make a few of these now. But, and you guys won't believe this, some of you won't believe it, but the only way you got news in was through the newspaper and someone would actually drive through the neighborhood and throw one of these on your driveway before sun ever came up. I mean, this was the only means unless on the three channels that existed at six o'clock and 10 o'clock for half an hour, there was news. I mean, that was it, that was it. And, and I loved this. And I found morning after morning, my Bible would be there. I'd go out, pick out the newspaper. I would set it down. I'd just catch the first headline, which would draw me to the second one. And then I'd go to the business page, and then I'd sports. If I didn't have work, I could live in the sports page. I, I couldn't do sports. I could live in the sports page, though. And, 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 so, and then my 15 minutes would be up, and I'd have to head off to work, and I'd never touch my Bible. And you know what it came to? I came to a point, I just said, you know what? I am canceling the subscription of this thing. That's the only copy I got. I got to have a second service. Don't take that. Uh, I said, I'm, I'm just going to cancel the subscription. It was what I loved in each morning. But I said, I got to burn the ship. I mean, Jesus' relationship with him matters much more than that thing I love. So for two years, I got up in the morning, I sat down, there was my breakfast and just my Bible. That was it. There was no other option. And so I would pray and I would read scripture. And after two years, I became so drawn into that time, it was safe to subscribe to a paper again. And you still could in those days as well. It was safe to do that. Can you relate to that? Do you, do you yearn to lean into him and have the deepest relationship possible, but you just haven't found the way? There's probably a ship to burn. Maybe it's Netflix and you stay up late way, way too Is that the thing now with movies? I'm, I can't stay up with all this stuff. You, you stay up late, too late watching something on the screens. Maybe it's social media, but there's probably, there's probably a ship to burn. So you don't have any options. There's no way. It's just you and Jesus. That's it. You can lean into him. Extreme. Radical. Like ship burning always is. But when you think about who Jesus is, he is the son of the living God. 
He's a co-creator of everything, including you. He's the one that died for your sins and mine. He's the one that when we follow him, gives us brand new life, forgives our sins, begins to bring peace and purpose and love into our lives, gives us eternity in heaven. He does all of that for us. All of that for us. Radical, extreme, shipburning always is. You strike a match, you burn the ship. I've only given four examples. There are probably an endless number that one could give. But I find myself going to Psalm 139 often. And you might want to go there often as well. Psalm 139, verses 23 and 24. David writes, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. When you pray that prayer, God answers it and says, this is the ship I want you to burn. There's only one thing left to do.